Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Come on, everybody, say encountership. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a, that's a new word. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that one. Well, buenos dias. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Are you ready for the word today? I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the word today because the word brings us life, right? The word is alive. Well, hi also, howdy out there to anybody uh, watching live stream or uh, listening to this podcast later. As usual, if you want to pull out your Bible app, you can follow along the outline of the message or you could grab a printed outline there from the back. You know, we're going to continue this morning in Christology, right? And so as we continue through our uh, year-long theme, Christology, why don't you help me with Revelation 1.8? Jesus says... Y en español, that was pretty good. All right, that was pretty good. All right, very, very good. And because Jesus is the beginning and the end, this year as we read through the Bible, we are. Y porque Jesús es el principio y el fin este año, estamos leyendo la Biblia y estamos. Very, very good. Why are we doing Christology? Why are we taking an entire year to study Christology? Come on. Sianya got it. Because Jesus is the reason why. He's theology. That's what it means, right? The whole purpose of the Bible is to discover, to find, and to know Jesus, and then we can help make him known to others, right? Question for you this morning. Have you ever been in a situation? <laughs> I could stop right there. You ever been in a situation? <laughs> Some circumstances that you're doing everything you know to do, but it's just not working? Okay, a few. Let me rephrase it a little bit. You ever been in a situation, a season, circumstances, and you're doing everything that you know to do, maybe even look up here, maybe even all the right things, but it doesn't fix it. Ever been there? It just doesn't seem to work out. And you're doing, you're applying everything you know, all the right things, but it doesn't work. It doesn't get better. Sometimes you're doing all the right things and it just seems to get worse. Anybody know what that's called? <laughs> well, it shouldn't be your whole life, but what do we call these seasons? Anybody know? They are trials. Come on, say trials. Today we're going to learn about trials. Woohoo! 
All right, turn to your neighbor and give them a big smile. And I've heard that if you raise your eyebrows, it makes it look extra positive. So I want you to raise your eyebrows and give a big smile and say, today, we're going to learn about trials. <laughs> all right, but first, a quick review. How many of you have been here the past couple of Sundays and learned a little bit, all right? We're in this series called The Three T's, right? Tests, trials, and temptation. And uh, we, we've been learning stuff. Uh, first of all, we learned um, that God, when he created all things, right? In the beginning, God created us in his image. We are his image bearers. Literally, that's what it means to be human. Human means to be created in the image of God, to be an image bearer of God. And as God's image bearers, he gave humans his authority. Very good. But humans, we gave our authority to the devil through what? Sin. That's right. God gave us his authority, but when we sinned, we came into agreement with the devil, and he didn't take our authority away. We gave it to him, right? And he became what the Bible calls the God of this world, right? Okay? Because we gave him the authority God gave to us. And Jesus came to restore, that's right, to recover, to take back and restore the authority that God had given us. And we've been looking at Matthew 4, we learned in Matthew 4, that, you know, in reality, this is the whole point of Jesus' temptation in the desert is for him to recover what we had given away, to take back the authority that we had given away. And we learned that Jesus did what to the test? He passed the test. What did he do to the trial? He endured it. That's very good. And what did he do to that temptation? He overcame it. Why? Why was Jesus able to pass the test, endure the trial, and overcome the temptation? Because he was ready. And why was he ready? <laughs> we don't know much about Jesus' life from toddler to 12. Then we see a little glimpse when he was 12. And then from 12 to 30-ish, we know zero, zip, nada about Jesus, right? But what we do know is that at the age of 30, he went into that wilderness and he was ready. He took on the devil and he gave him a good beating, right? The devil came to try to get Jesus, to convince Jesus to give his authority away like Adam had done. Did Jesus give it away? No, Jesus overcame the devil. He kept his authority and in doing so, he recovered the authority that we had given away to the enemy. And we know that he was ready. We don't know exactly how, but we do know that whatever he was doing in the years leading up to the wilderness, it got him ready. We call that Jesus' secret years, private years, anonymous years, right? Okay, and so it's so, we've been learning that it's so important what we do in our relationship with God when nobody else can see, right? Though our private, secret, personal, anonymous, not public relationship with God. Because how, I mean, how many of us have figured out we could put on a show? Anybody can put on a show? I mean, religious people are the best at putting on shows, right? We can put on a show. But we don't put on a show when we're in private. 
Whoever we are in private, that's who we really are, right? The goal is for that to be the same person, right? That's called integrity, right? Okay, so we know that Jesus obviously had done something with the word of God in those secret moments because when the time came for him to go public, he was ready to use the word of God to overcome the enemy, right? So it's so very important. Our private relationship with God is so important. You know, we know Adam failed, but Jesus, the last Adam, passed the test. And I thank Jesus that he didn't give his authority away, right? Okay, if you were here last Sunday, we learned that a test shows us what we, a test will show you what you know, and in turn, also what you don't know. Very good. And a test, it comes, tests come into our life really to reveal what we will do with what we know, right? It's not about just what's up here. It's about what we'll actually do with what we've learned. And so the point of a test or the goal of a test is to, is to pass, right? It's to pass the test. But also, through a test, if you don't pass it, what do you learn? What you don't know. <laughs> like when you took a test in school. When you got the grade, you found out what you did know and what you didn't know, right? You found out what you were prepared for and what you weren't prepared for. That's what a test is like. And we will have test after test after test. Good thing about tests is that they are momentary. A test, well, it comes and, and, and it goes. And you either pass it or you don't. <laughs> right? And God doesn't grade on a curve. So <laughs> you either pass it or you find out what you still need to learn. Come on, say the goal is to pass. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to teach you about temptations. And temptations show us what we crave, what our appetites are, and what we're going to do with those appetites. But today, I want to talk to you about trials. Come on, say trials. Another word, biblical word for trials, and it's just even worse is the word tribulation. Come on, say tribulation. We can all say that one in Spanish, tribulacion. Who's excited today to learn about trials and tribulation? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> A trial, if you're taking notes... By the way, it helps to take notes so you can go back and look. By the way, in your Bible app, if you follow along the outline, there's a place you can just click and write your own notes. And the printed one has a place for your own notes too. Maybe you have your own journal, but it's good. It's good to write things down because that helps us remember. What is a trial anyway? If a test comes to show what we know, we either pass it or we don't, right? What is a trial? Well, a trial is a whole season of persistent testing. Testing, a testing season that seems to have no end in sight. Test after test. And we're not talking, not just finals week, finals month. 
sometimes finals year. While tests are momentary, trials are seasonal. Trials or tribulations can last weeks, months, and in some cases, even years. And during a trial, you learn a lot of new stuff. So test show us what we already know and what we're going to do with what we know. But a trial will bring all kinds of new stuff out of you. And you'll learn. Through trials, we learn something new. And the goal of a trial, this isn't the first time, it is a repetition. The goal of a trial is to endure it. Come on, punch your neighbor and say, you got to endure it. Another way to say that I want you to turn to the other neighbor, and I want you to get ready to tell him something so deep. Ready? Pastor Liz is ready. RJ, Deanna, all right. Y'all ready? Tell him. Sometimes, my dear, you just have to outlast it. <laughs> To endure, that's a big word, but basically to endure something means you just outlast it. <laughs> I don't know, has anybody ever been in a season in your life, in a situation, in circumstances in your life, and it's just like, if I could just get to the end of this thing. <laughs> outlast it. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and give you some good news so you can uh, take a breath. Trials do come to an end, so you can outlast them, okay? They're not forever. Tests are momentary. Trials are seasonal. And during a trial, this is the worst part of it all. <laughs> during a trial, what you know just doesn't seem to work. During a trial, sometimes even all the right things don't work. Everything that you know to do that is right, the right thing to do, doesn't fix it. Everybody's looking at me like, I know y'all been through some stuff. There are seasons, there are times that you're tested and you, you do the right thing and boom, you pass that test. Hallelujah. Next. But during a trial, it's like, I am doing the right thing, or at least I think I'm doing the right thing. I think I'm doing all I can do, all the right things that I've learned, but somehow it's, it's just, no. It's not making it better. Sometimes, sometimes when you're in a trial, it seems like or it feels like it'll never end. 
It even, this is, I don't know if you've ever been there, but when you're in the middle of a trial, you almost forget what life felt like before the trial. You almost forget what it was like to not be in this trial. A lot of heads nodding right now. Mm -hmm. The enemy's aim... Through a trial is for us to give up. That's what he's after. Thank you, Jesus. You did not give up. Nobody been through a trial like him. The enemy's aim, his goal, what he's after is for you to give up. You know what God's aim for you is? Look at me. Keep it up. When the enemy's trying to get you to give up, you keep it up. I don't feel like I have the strength to keep it up. Just keep, just outlast it. The enemy wants to bring us to our end. And through trials, guess what God is doing? He's bringing us to the end of ourselves. Right? When everything we know doesn't work, we come to the end of ourselves. And there he is. And there he's been all along. See, God wants relationship with us. He doesn't just want us to know his formulas. And a lot of times his formulas work. Listen, a lot of times you look at the word, the word says this, I do it, it works. But there are seasons called trials when even when you're doing everything right, it doesn't seem to work. And guess what? Guess who's there? God is there. He's with you through it. And what he wants is to bring us to the point to where all we have, all we, all we really, really have is him, our relationship with him. He brings us to the end of ourselves. The enemy through trials. This is so important. He wants us to lose all hope. That is the enemy's goal, for you to lose all hope. And God teaches us through trials that he's our only hope. The main feeling to battle, I mean, there's a lot of feelings when you're going through trials, a lot, but the main one to battle is hopelessness. So guess what the key to enduring and outlasting trials must be? Hope. That's right. Hope enables us to outlast trials. If you don't have hope, you won't last. Listen, even if your hope is, this is all you got left, that little bit of hope is enough. Look at me. 
that tiny, if a mustard seed of faith can move a mountain, God doesn't need us to have big anything. (laughs) He's the big one. If all you can muster up, all you've got left is this tiny little microscopic atom of hope, you hold on to that thing, baby. Because hope is the thing that will enable you to outlast it until it comes to an end. Now, hope is another big word, but let me give you the real basic definition. This is one you could just hold on to. What is hope? Hope is the belief that something good can still happen. That it's not over. That not all is lost. Something good, something. I don't know what, but something good could possibly still come my way. And we have hope because of the goodness of God. We sang about this morning, right? Our hope is not in us. Our hope is not in the world. Our hope is not in people. Our hope is not even that the situation will get fixed. Our hope is in him and in his goodness that is unchangeable. And the Bible says that his goodness and his mercy will follow us all the days of our life, including the days you're in a trial. I love this part about God's love. It says that his love endures forever. That means in the good and the bad and the ugly, when things are nice and easy, and when I'm in the middle of a trial, and I am trying my hardest to endure, guess what's right along with me, enduring with me? His love, his faithful love. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. That if he's not good, he's promised he's not going to leave me. He's not going to abandon me. He's never just going to leave me to figure it out. I believe something good could still happen. Come on, say, you got to have hope. Because hope is that thing that allows us, that enables us, that empowers us to outlast trials. All right, last week we talked about Job, Joseph, and Jesus. Can we talk a little bit more today about Job, Joseph, and Jesus? The three J's. The three J's for the three T's. First of all, we learned last Sunday that Job was tested. Two really hard tests. One, in one day, poor Job lost everything. Family, money, animals, everything that Job had in one day was just gone. How did Job respond? Did he blame God? A little bit later, another test comes along. Job gets extremely sick. What does the Bible say about what Job said? He never once said anything wrong. Wow. Now, I wish that was the end. In fact, every time I come in my Bible reading plan to Job, I wish it was just chapter 1, chapter 2, and then we could go to chapter 42. 
Because I get so fed up with him arguing with his friends. It's like, shut up already. Lord, would you please just come and get rid of these guys? No, actually, they were very good friends. Some people don't realize that. I mean, who comes and just from far away and just sits down and listens to somebody complain? <laughs> A good friend. And we, but we know, again, we know that it wasn't just Job lost everything. He all of a sudden became poor after being the richest man in the land. He lost his health. He got sick. We know. Let me just give you a little, little summary. Ready? Anybody? Has anyone never read Job? If you've never read Job, don't let it be the first book you ever read in the Bible. Okay? I would, I would highly encourage John and Isaiah and those hopeful books first, okay? But this is what happened to Job. Come on, say trial. I mean, Job, I think tribulation is the better word, okay? So the initial tests become a very long season. We actually don't know exactly how long his trial lasted, but we know that it was quite, a, quite an extended period, at least months, okay? His wife tells him to curse God and die. His best friends come, and after a, a little while of putting up with him, because they do, it says they actually sit down and they don't even say anything for several days, and they just listen to him. Okay? But then they start arguing with him and telling him that everything he's going through, you must have done, you must have sinned, you must have, you must have cheated the poor, you must have committed this sin, you must have done that sin. They started making up all these reasons why Job was going through it like it's his fault. They start insulting him. And that goes on and on and on. Like 30-something chapters of it. It's a prolonged season of loss. I mean, all this time... He's mourning his, the loss of his children, his riches, his reputation. This also happens during um, trials. Ready? You don't want to be ready for this, but it happens. In a trial, even the people that are supposed to be helping somehow make it worse. At least in Job's case, and I know that there have been cases in my life. <laughs> you're hoping that people, you're, the people that you're looking to to be helpful end up really not being very helpful. Because they don't understand what you're going through. One good thing about a trial is that you'll understand other people's trials. Right, but these guys, they, they sometimes in a trial, like people don't make it better, they make it worse. <laughs> Even good people. Even people that really truly do genuinely love you and probably want to help, but they're just not really helping. <laughs> Job was falsely accused. Job gets confused. <laughs> And you know, Job isn't perfect. 
In fact, in the middle of the worst part of it, like when it's just, he's battling hopelessness beyond hopelessness, right? I mean, he's struggling to hold on to a tiny particle of hope that he has left. And he says some, some immature, let's say some, in, actually God says, you spoke inaccurately of me in the middle of it. There does come a point where the, 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 the immaturity that is in Job comes out a little bit. He never curses God. He never turns away from God. He actually never totally loses hope in God. But he does start saying some stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been there. You ever been in the middle of something and it's just like nothing's working? And you start saying stuff and you look back on it later and like, eh, that wasn't really right what I said. So that this, this happens to Job. Okay. Let's not judge. We've done worse. <laughs> but let me tell you something. He outlasted it. He endured it. In fact, he wishes he was dead <laughs> because of the pain he's going through. But what ends up happening he comes to totally the end of himself. And all he's got left is the Lord. Trials are times when we express raw feelings. They can't be sugar-coated. What's there is there. And one good thing about Job and also about David and others that really had a heart for God is that he wasn't afraid. He feared God for sure, but he wasn't afraid to express his raw feelings to God. God, I mean literally, Job chapter 3 to chapter like 40 basically is Job saying, God, this sucks. And I don't like it. And I'm not really happy necessarily with you at the moment. Eh, that comes out a little bit. And all my friends, they double suck. Pardon my... I mean, it, it, it is raw. Read Job. <laughs> and then you get to chapter 41, 42, 40, 41, 42. Look at me. The trial is over just like that. It ends. God comes. And has a little conversation with his boy. He said, oh, you think you know a lot. Tell me how I made the weather. Tell me how I put the stars in order. Tell me how this whole giant universe is in perfect order. I mean, he, God goes into detail. Tell me about 
what some people think is the hippopotamus. Just tell me about him. Tell me what you, tell me how I did that. And, and Job, being Job, says, I take back everything I said. <laughs> I repent. And listen, in an instant, the trial is over. And if you just, li- I love how it ends, just one chapter, it says, Job lived 140 more years, and God gave him double the riches that he had. He gave him, like, Ten more children. And the Bible says he lived to not only see, but to enjoy his great-grandchildren. That the blessing at the end of his life, which is 140 years, I wouldn't call that the end. (laughs) The second part of his life was double the first part of his life. What if he would not have endured Is it okay I'm taking a little extra time with this today? Because it's early. That's why I'm going a little slow. Through one encounter with God, the trial's over. I, listen, some of you really, really, really need to grab a hold of this. Look at me. You might just be one encounter away. Outlast that thing. We give up too soon. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I feel like giving up sometimes, but we give up too easy. We got to toughen up. You know what God tells Job when he comes to talk to him? He says, brace yourself like a man. Well, turn to your neighbor and if it's a lady... Say, brace yourself yourself. like Wonder Woman. (laughs) Turn to to your uh, neighbor, and if it's a man, say, brace yourself yourself. like Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just read you, okay? Let me just read you some of... Some of Job's words. This is not going to be on the screen. You can write it down. This is out of Job 19. How long will you torture me? (laughs) How long will you try to crush me with your words? You've already already insulted me ten times. Now he's talking to his friends. You should be ashamed of treating me so badly. Even if I have sinned, that's my problem, not yours. You think you're better than I am. Using my humiliation as evidence of my sin. But God is the one who's done me wrong. This is Job 19. He captured me in his net. I cry out, help! But no one answers me. Right? Nothing works. I protest, but there's no justice. God has blocked my way, so I can't move. He's plunged my path into hello, darkness, my old friend. Hello. God has demolished me on every side. I'm finished. He's uprooted my hope like a fallen tree. 
His fury burns against me. He counts me as an enemy. My relatives stay far away. (laughs) Even my breath stinks to my wife. (laughs) My close friends detest me. I've been reduced to skin and bones. I've escaped death by the skin of my teeth. Have mercy, my friends. Have mercy on me. Because God's beating me up. Must you also persecute me too? Haven't you chewed me up enough yet? Oh, that my look at verse 23, if you want to look at it later. Oh, that my words could be recorded. Guess what? Oh, that my, they could be inscribed on a monument, carved with an iron chisel and filled, filled with lead, engraved forever in the rock. Hello? He got that prayer answered. But look at verse 25. Look at Job's heart. I mean, this is all he just said. We just heard a lot of Job's raw feelings. But as for me, I know my Redeemer lives. And he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I'll see him for myself. Yes, I'll see him with my own eyes. I'm overwhelmed at the thought. Whoa. I'm going to say hope. Listen, Job didn't know if his trial would ever end, but he knew that he was going to be resurrected, and he knew that he had hope in that. I mean, he, he didn't know, but he had hope. Now, we do know that Job did endure. He did outlast it. The trial did end, and God did bless him with even more than before. Sometimes. You just have to outlast it. And that is no fun. But you got to have hope. That's Job. How about Jojo? Joseph. That's what Potiphar's wife called him, Jojo. Jojo. Talk about a trial. We know Joseph's initial test. We talked about him last Sunday. We know that he was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. He ended up in Egypt. And then we see those initial tests turn into a long trial. With a little reprieve in the middle. And then it comes back. (laughs) Okay. He's falsely accused by Senora Potiphar. And they believe her instead of him. Where does he end up? Prison. Not for a day. Want no bail. Years. And then in prison, he helps out a fellow inmate. And this fellow inmate says, I'll help you when I get out. And then this fellow inmate gets out. He becomes an outmate. And does he help him out? What's the Bible say? He forgets about Joseph. Jerk. But then he remembers. 
took a while, but he remembers. Can you pass me my water, baby? Por favor. What happens? Not baby. <laughs> KK. We know that he remembers Joseph get out, gets out of jail. And remember what was Joseph's special gift from God? He could interpret dreams. Whose dream does he interpret? Pharaoh. And actually, he, God tells him the dream and the interpretation. Whoa. And so, long story short, Pharaoh makes him prime minister. Literally puts him over everything. And then, those 10 losers decide to show up at JoJo's doorstep. And now, they're asking for help. This is part of the trial. Because... Trials often are way more in the soul and the emotions than in what's going on on the outside sometimes, okay? This was part of the trial. The very ones who betrayed him and sold him as a slave who had hated him and wanted to kill him. Now we know that there is a famine, there's a a drought, there's a famine Food runs out in Israel. So they're coming to Egypt to look for food. And Joseph has been very wise. He's been very smart. He's convinced Pharaoh to store up all this food so that they can survive the the, the drought and the famine. And now Joseph's brothers show up needing him to help them. Now, at first, he plays some little tricks on them. Right? But, But we can see that Joseph actually never lost his hope. He doesn't allow the feelings of pain, bitterness, hopelessness, everything else that we don't even know that Joseph felt, right? He doesn't allow these circumstances to keep him from believing God and being a blessing. How do I know that? Because after prison, he's seeking God to give him the dream. Well, he didn't lose hope in God. He probably lost hope in everything else, but he didn't lose hope in God. And we know that the end of the story is that Joseph does end up helping his brothers. He ends up saving Egypt and saving Israel. Now, if we... If we if we can understand something, trials try to take us out. I mean, how easy would it have been for Joseph to just give up and become an idol worshiper like the rest of the Egyptians? Pfft, doesn't seem like God's helped me out anyway. Come on now. Why do I even serve God? That guy over there doesn't even serve God and his life is better than mine. Many occasions in the Bible, people are complaining about God blessing people, not them, right? And they're the good ones. But Joseph didn't didn't do that. 
could have given up. He could have given in. But we see him seeking God to save Egypt and then saving his terrible, awful, mean snakes of brothers and God using him as a savior of a whole region of the world. Because trials try to take us out, but hope keeps us in the game. If we'll just outlast it, if we'll just keep our hope, we'll stay in the game. And if we stay in God's game, we win. If we stay on God's team, we win. Now, let me just bring this part to a close. Because we've got to talk a little bit about Jesus. After the incredible way God uses Joseph, let's look at his attitude at the end. This is near the end of Joseph's life. Ready? This is Genesis chapter 50. Joseph replied. Okay, wait. Okay, so who was Joseph's daddy? Jacob. Jacob, they're all in Egypt. Jacob passes away. And when Jacob passes away, all the brothers are like, he's going to get us now. (laughs) So they go and Joseph, daddy said to be nice. And we don't know if Jacob really said that or if they made that up. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God? That I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I'll continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. That's what hope does to you. Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. Joseph lived to the age of 110. He lived to see three generations of descendants of his son Ephraim. And he lived to see the birth of, his, uh, of the children of, his, of Manasseh's son, Maker, whom he claimed as his own. Soon I'll die, Joseph told his brothers. But God, look at this. But God will surely come to help you? And lead you out of this land of Egypt. Because see, Joseph already knew about the promise of the promised land. Okay? I'm going to die, but God's going to still come help you. He'll bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph, this is my favorite. Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you got to take my bones with you. Now that's hope. God, Joseph's hope was in God and nothing else. And he even had hope for what God was still, the good that God still was going to do even after he was gone. He had so much hope that he made them promise to take his bones back to the promised land. Now we know that that happened. How, how much for longer? Later. 400-ish years. (laughs) He still believed something good was ahead for Israel. Do you believe that still there's stuff, there's good stuff ahead for you? Do you believe that there's still good stuff ahead for your family? 
But let's talk a little bit about Jesus. Job and, and Joseph, imperfect, but they had hope and they outlasted. Jesus, absolutely perfect through his trial. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was under such stress and pressure, knowing that the crucifixion was coming. The Bible says he, when he prayed, he sweated what? Like drops of blood. One of his dearest friends, Peter, denies him three times. All his disciples, his closest friends, desert him. Then he stands before the Sanhedrin for a literal trial. He goes on trial. He's whipped. They put a crown of thorns on his head. He's insulted, spat upon, mocked, crucified. And then the worst of all, the father turns away from him. If anyone felt like God had left him in the middle of a trial, it was Jesus because he actually did. He never leaves us, but for a moment, he did actually turn away from Jesus so that judgment for sin could happen. Not just a test or two, but a season of intense, nonstop testing. Question. Come on, I'm getting near the end. You guys with me? Thank you for extra time today, okay? How did he make it? How did he not give up? How did he not give in? How can we make it? How can we endure? How can we outlast our trials? How can we keep going when it feels hopeless? Hebrews 12 gives us both answers. How did Jesus do it and how can we do it? Ready? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Here's how he did it. Because of the joy awaiting him. Come on, say hope. He knew what was coming. He believed something good was coming. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne Jesus had hope for what was ahead so he endured the cross he endured the whole entire trial he didn't give up because he actually believed so he believed it so much that it gave him joy. 
Come on, there's gotta be a way that we can, even in the midst of hard circumstances, even in the midst of doing everything right and it doesn't seem to be working, there's gotta be a way to tap into some joy because we believe something good is still ahead of us. That's how Jesus did it. How do we do it? We look at him. We focus our heart's attention on him and his goodness. He's our hope. He's our inspiration. He's our leader. Come on, just as we conclude today, I want to encourage you with this. What is ahead for you if you endure through your seasons of trial and tribulation? What's ahead? You want to know what's ahead? 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the, oh, I like this one, fiery trials you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Come on, just take a deep breath. Ready? And as you exhale, say, it's normal. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with you. Because you're in a trial doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. And no, you're not special either. I mean, you're special. Some of y'all are real special. But you're special. But going through trials doesn't make you different than anybody else. You'll go through different kinds of trials. But don't act like something strange happened to you because you're going through a hard time. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Makes us partners with him. Trials make us like Jesus if we outlast them, if we endure through them. Now, if we give up in the middle of a trial, that ain't like Jesus. But if we endure, keeping our eyes on him, if we endure, it makes us like him. And it makes our lives a reflection of his glory to the whole world. Listen, maybe you figured this out. I've figured this out by now. And I don't like it, but it's real. People see Jesus through our lives more in our bad seasons than in our good ones. The way we respond to a tough time shows Jesus more than the way we respond to a good time. Now, I like good times, and I prefer them more. But the way we endure shows our commitment to Jesus Christ. And it reveals His glory. James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, which literally means choose joy, as in you don't necessarily feel it first. Choose it. Count it. Decide to have joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds. Come on, there's different kinds of trials. And you'll probably go through more than one type of trial at some point in your life. But count it joy. Choose joy. Choose to rejoice. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. Same word. What it means to persevere means to stand fast. 
to hold on, to stand firm, to keep going, to stay in the game, to not give up, to not give in, to keep going and going and going, like the Energizer Bunny, right? You just keep going. Even when you don't feel like it, you just keep going. Even when you want to throw in the towel, you grab that towel. Even when you want to hang up the cleats, you put them back on. Steadfastness. And that steadfastness or perseverance, let it, let it. We have to let it. It's a choice. Just like joy is a choice, perseverance is a choice. Let it have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What happens if we outlast our trials? Well, our perseverance gets developed. And that makes us mature men and women of God, lacking nothing. We need to serve Him. One more. Hebrews 2. God, for whom, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that He should make Jesus through his trials or suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them into salvation. I'll tell you this. You're not going to be a very good leader if you can't withstand trials. We become perfect. The word perfect means totally mature. doesn't mean you've never had a, a fault. It means you become mature. We become perfect leaders, mature, godly men and women of God who can become a great blessing to many. If you and I will endure, if you and I will outlast our trials, if you and I will just stay in the game, we can mature. We can look like Jesus. We can become leaders that can bless many. Now, I want to ask just for the next couple of minutes, if we could honor the presence of God and each other. Let's avoid getting up and down, going in and out. I have a very important question, and then I'm going to make another call for prayer. But first, a very, very important question. In fact, for this question, if you wouldn't mind, I would like you to just block out all distractions. Maybe just close your eyes. Jesus endured every trial to the point of laying down his life on the cross. And that was to save you and me. The question is, have you truly surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord? More than just believing in him or thinking you do or Pray in a prayer. Have you surrendered to the one who endured it all for you? Have you surrendered your heart? Have you made a decision to turn away from sin, to turn away from this world, the ways of this world, and give your life to follow Jesus, to obey him, to make him the Lord of your life? 
just very quickly, if you've never made that decision, or if at one point you said, yes, I used to follow Jesus, but I'm not really following him right now. Rather, it's for the first time or you need to come back to him. Today you say, I want to make the decision to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want to give my life to the one who gave it all for me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up real quick? Say, that's me. I want to surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.